Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast, conversations that help people maximize their full potential by helping them understand that life is more like a marathon than it is a sprint. From former athletes, personal trainers, coaches, social media influencers, and entrepreneurs, talk about their journey on and off the field and how they maximize their talents once they hung up their cleats. And here's your host, Matt Joy. In this episode, I interviewed a newly inducted Hall of Fame football player from Quince Orchard High School. This guest began his collegiate career playing for the University of Maryland, but ended up transferring to the University of Delaware for his final two years. After having a tremendous pro day and college career, this guest was picked up as an undrafted free agent for the New England Patriots. Today, he takes his love for the game and coaches the next generation at Northwest High School. He hopes to create his own nonprofit organization by providing kids the knowledge they need to play the game, but also provide the mentoring and tutoring they need to succeed in life. Without further ado, here's episode 42. Welcome to the Athletes Marathon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Choi, and we're extremely lucky to have an awesome guest, Travis Hawkins. Travis is located in Frederick, Maryland, and he is currently coaching football at Northwest High School and is pursuing a collegiate position in the future. Travis, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Awesome. Well, Travis, obviously, like our QO community, some of them might have an idea of like your background a little bit, but for people that don't, could you give a little background about yourself before we get started? So a little about a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in Montgomery County, all over, from Germantown to Gaithersburg to Rockville, and um, you know I grew up loving the game of football. Um, started playing when I was six years old. Um, begged my mom for a whole year to put me into organized football, and uh, at the age of seven is when I started playing for Montgomery Village Chiefs. Uh, in McGarney Village, and um, my second year of playing football, I rushed for uh, over a thousand yards, eighteen touchdowns, and I was on the George Michael Sports Machine. Um, and there, I feel like it skyrocketed my my career as uh, a football player. Um, it was something I was always passionate about, and um, from there. I actually went from McGurney Village to the Olney Bears in Olney, Maryland, where I won uh, two national championships playing Pop Warner football. Always wanted to branch out and play against the best, um, not only in the state of Maryland, but uh, across the world, uh, across the uh, the nation. So with that being said, uh, I joined the Olney Bears and we went back-to-back national champions in 2002 and 2003. Uh, after that, um, I was living with my mother in Rockville, Maryland, and I just needed a different atmosphere, um, and a different environment, uh, for myself, uh, just to grow as a, as a person and as a player. So, um, I spent one week at Rockville High School. Okay. A lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know that. Uh-huh. Uh, I went from Rockville to QO. I wanted to play football with my brothers, Thomas Addison and Davon Addison. Um, and the rest is history. Uh, I ended up at QO and uh, was fortunate enough to play under Coach Foringer and Coach Mack. And it was the greatest experience, uh, I would say, for myself, uh, just to get me away from the environment in which I was in and being able to be successful. Um, so at the QO, uh, I, I had 21 scholarship offers uh, to some of the biggest uh, football schools in the nation, and I accepted a scholarship to play at the at the University of Maryland. 
Um, I spent two years there. Uh, we went to the military bowl. We won that in 2010. Uh, Coach Ralph Friesen's last season there. And uh, after they fired him, they brought in Coach Randy Essel. And things didn't go well uh, initially. So I transferred to, to the University of Delaware, where I started at corner for, for three years. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go undrafted to the New England, pa New England Patriots uh, in 2014. And then uh, after I got released after the third preseason game, I played three years in Canada, where I played uh, in Toronto, Montreal, and Winnipeg. Right. So I had, a, I had a great career, I would say. Yeah, I mean, dude, Trevor, that's a, it's a lot of football that was played in, in those, what, like 10 years right there? <laughs> yeah, a lot of football. Yeah, a lot of football. I mean, I guess, Trevor, like, even talk about, like, so you as a kid, you said that you were, like, big, like, you know, obviously football is like a passenger. I mean, dude, you're winning, you know, championships when you were young, right? So I guess talk about, like, what, was, was football, like, the main thing? What are the sports did you play or, was, like, was that the main sport? Actually, I was a basketball player. Okay, okay. Um, I was a basketball player growing up as well. Um, I stopped playing basketball probably 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. um, just because I knew, you know, football was not was my niche and I knew it could possibly take me uh, places and give me opportunities that, you know, basketball, I, basketball couldn't because, I mean, I'm short, 5'10", <laughs> uh, it's not too many 5'10", guards that yeah. you know, have dreams of playing in the NBA. Well, they yeah. probably do have dreams, but it's probably much harder to get to because of, because of the height wise. 100%. I mean, Travis, I, I mean, for people that don't know, especially like if you graduated my class, like Travis was like, obviously like one of the top guys um, coming in through QO, especially when he was there. I mean, they won the championship, state championship in 2007. Um, I guess, Travis, talk about like your versatility, right? Like you said that you were a corner. In my eyes, like I always looked up to you because I was like, dude, like when Travis has the ball in his hand, like he's very special. Like it's a talented player, right? Especially throughout high school, like you played quarterback, you played receiver. And I looked up to a lot because like when I had to switch to quarterback my senior year, I was like always like looked at as like an athletic quarterback. But I guess talk about like your ability to be versatile and how, how that almost helped you as like a defensive player in a sense. Well, it's actually funny you asked that question. Um, my whole football career, I was always on the offensive side of the ball. Uh -huh. Although I played defense, but everybody knew, like, when Travis gets the ball, something, yeah, <laughs> something may happen at any, at, any, at any moment. So, with that being said, when I got the QO, um, give me one second. When I got the QO, um, my, freshman, my freshman year, I actually played quarterback. Uh, on JV with Coach Foringer. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I played quarterback and corner. And Jaron Morrison, who, you know, was the quarterback of our state championship year, they would move him up and down from varsity to JV up. So when he wasn't on JV, I was the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like I had a decent year at quarterback, uh, JV year. And then sophomore season, um, I got moved up to varsity and uh, – I was a running back in safety. Right. And then my, when my brother went down my sophomore year, that's when I was primarily the, the back. And, um, you know, I had a great sophomore season. And after that is when I started getting some of my, my offers um, yeah. from University of Maryland, from Rutgers, from West Virginia, 
um, all to play running back. Right. And then junior year is when, like, I started making crazy plays on defense. Um, and after that junior year is when, like, all the schools were calling and, you know, offering scholarships for me to play defensive back. Mm, you okay. know, advising me that, you know, if you want to make it to the NFL, uh, we see you more as, as a as a defensive back. So right. I chose that route. Okay, I, I got you. I did, yeah, so I didn't I didn't even know that actually. So that's that's good to know. I mean, so basically, um, I guess what school like Travis, like when you chose University of Maryland, right? Which is a great school, obviously educationally. Football program was on the come up, and I think you were like a highly touted Maryland recruit that was like staying home in a sense, right? I guess yeah. like what drew you to Maryland? Like what other schools were like maybe in the top three like when you were a senior in high school and kind of making that big time decision for your future? So my my top, I would say my top three, four was uh, Maryland, Oregon, West Virginia, and I believe it was maybe UCF. Okay. At the time. Um, Maryland, of course, my family wanted me to stay close. Of course. (laughs) And... If I could do it all over again, honestly, I probably would go to Oregon because that was my dream school. Um, I still remember the day they came to to QO and mm-hmm. how big my eyes got. Uh, <laughs> Coach Mag knew Coach Mag knew that that was my dream school, and um, when they offered me, it was like a no brainer. I was going to go uh, to to Oregon just to you know see see what it was like. Right, and that was probably probably hands down the best visit uh, I went on. I, I did a lot of unofficial visits, but official visits, I went to Michigan, I went to Oregon, and I went to Maryland. And the Michigan and Oregon ones, um, my family didn't go with me. I went by myself. Okay. And I just wish someone else, even if it wasn't a family member, just someone else could have flew out there and experienced the Oregon visit. So. The Oregon visit is unique in itself because I was there with Joe Montana's uh, oh. son. Okay. So Joe okay. Montana's son uh, was uh, a highly rated quarterback who Oregon offered, and we had our official visit at the same time. So I got a chance to meet Joe Montana, which was, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but as far as the visit, the, the thing I will never forget is that they were playing – I think they were playing UCLA, and – you know, Oregon's locker room is Unreal. by far, yeah, by far, probably the, the top facilities in the nation. So right. um, they were playing the night game, and you they had two le- a two level locker room. You go in, um, and they had something that would adjust your your eyes, um, so that when you go back out to play after being in the locker room, it, it doesn't mess up your vision or something. Wow, like that. Okay. It, it was, it was kind of it was kind of crazy, <laughs> but when I got into the stadium, you know, being there with Joe Montana and his son, and me coming all the way from Maryland, yeah, um, having that student section like, say Travis Hawkins, I was like, what the heck? Like this is this is unreal. Uh huh. And you know, um, Dennis Dixon was uh, was my host. Yeah. He was part of, yeah, he, he, he was there, and um, it was just amazing, man. It was something that, you know, even being here and being from Maryland, 
Maryland didn't even do for me. Like it was the, the love that I got from the West Coast was 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 unreal. And honestly, if I could do it again, I probably would just follow my heart and went to work. <laughs> Family but, would have um, been disappointed slightly, but yeah, yeah but they. They they could have watched me on TV. If I, if I could do it all over again, they'll be watching me. And wait, and Chad, did Oregon want you to play DB too? So Oregon was giving me the opportunity to choose the side of the ball in which I wanted to play. Okay, okay. There was a couple schools like that that offered me, um, just because they could see how versatile I was as a player. Yeah. Um, and if you ask people uh, to this day, especially Coach Neesmith, he would say, Hawk. Why, why didn't you play offense? Yeah. Why didn't you play offense? And so, Chad, was that for, personally for you? Like, was that something that you wanted to do? Or was it just like you being very natural at both? Like, where was your head at? Um, I always felt like defense won championships. Okay. So I wanted to be on that side of the ball. But, you know, I got a chance to, to return kicks. In which, I was, in which I was pretty good at. And... um you know, it gave me the opportunity to get the ball in my hands still. Yeah. Um, if I could do it again, I would probably want to play both sides of the ball, to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and not not even to toot my own horn, just, just to be able to, you know, because they always say, what, DBs are, 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 are receivers that can't, can't really catch. catch. Yeah. Exactly. So, with me, I feel like I had a little bit of hands. But, you know, if you put the ball in my hands at running back or whatever 100%. the case may be, fly sweeps, you know, I can go the distance. And yeah. um, if I could do it all over again, I'd probably still choose defense. Just because, you know, I, I love the physical I love being nature, able, and, the physical nature yeah. and being able to to like impose your, like, strength and will on someone. And it's different. It's, it's a whole different mentality, Travis, it's, right? It's a mentality when, yeah. you know, the game is on the line. You want to be out there. You yep. know what I'm saying? You don't want to be on the side. If, if, it's, if, the, if, the, if the opposing team needs to go down and score two-minute drill, you want to be on the field. It's, like, it's a different adrenaline rush. It's real. I mean, I, I really don't know what that feels like, Travis. I mean, it's, it, I've been, always been on the opposite side, but I'm sure it is. I mean – Guys I know, like defense, like they all have that like almost like that chip on your shoulder mentality. And I think, you know, you have to have that type of grit to be on that side of the ball, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally understand. Um, Trav, when you – so you, you talked about it. You, you were in Maryland for two years. I guess talk about like how that transition went. And I think I want you to put it into the perspective of like if a young listener is listening to this, Travis, and they're going through a coaching change in college mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. I guess, like, what, what, that, what that experience was like for you and, like, kind of what maybe pushed you to, to go to University of Delaware? Um, we were all shocked, to tell you the truth, at University of Maryland. Um, I was actually talking, talking about it with a couple of my, my former uh, players or that I played with, former teammates, I'm sorry, um, on Twitter not long ago. And they said that they should do a documentary on it. Like, Coach Friedgen, had um, one of the best years of his career, and he was fired, which was so weird to us. Um, he got ACC Coach of the Year. Mm -hmm. 2009, 2009, I believe, we went, like, 2-10. and 10. And the next year, we won a bowl game. Um, and he was coach of the ACC Coach of the Year, and he was let go. And we all felt like if they let him play out his contract, coach out his contract, mm -hmm. that – 
we would have been very successful the following year. So um, that was a shock to all of us. And then, you know, having Coach Essel come in. And, you know, coaches, the thing about coaches is uh, when a new coach comes in, he always wants to lay his foundation yep. on, on what he wants and how he wants it. Um, I think it's better if you, you know, fill it out first. Yeah. Feel, feel your players out first before you come in and just, like, be a drill sergeant and, and things like that. Um, with me, we, me and Coach Edsel, when he came in, we, we bumped his very early. Um, and I had a, you know, I had a um, teammate who, you know, talked to me all the time and um, informed me that he, you know, I should just stick it out and, and stay and things like that. But the situation that I got into, um, I don't know if you want me to elaborate on it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you totally, if you're comfortable with it, you're, you're more than welcome to. If, you, if not, it's okay too. Yeah, um, well, so what had happened was um, I had just, I had a, a torn patella tendon. Okay. So um, I had got a shot in my knee. So when I was rehabbing my knee, um, they had me in, a, in the pool tread, treading water. A lot of people don't know the story. I never really tell people. Um, I was treading water, and this is, just, this is right after uh, – Pete D'Souza, uh, who, was a, uh, who came in my year in 2009, he had got hit by a car while he was on his school day. Mm -hmm. So when he got hit by the car, he was also rehabbing at the same time I was rehabbing my knee. And this was Edsel's like first week, first, first or second week right. uh, at Maryland. Um, and being, being young, being a fresh, uh, redshirt freshman, um, I was in there, you know, uh, with the trainer, Wes Robinson, who, who's no longer there. Mm -hmm. um, and he had me treading water. And I've never been a swimmer. Okay. So I was having a hard time treading water. And when I was treading water, um, I was basically drowning. Right. And it got to a point where I had to, like, hold on to the side of the pool. And I was like, I had to, like, really catch my breath because I, I thought I was going to pass out or die. Yeah. And I was telling the trainer, like, look, like, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable doing this. And he was, I don't know why, but he was in he was in a bad mood that day. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was like, you know, just try. Just keep trying. And I was like, okay, I'll keep trying. So I go back in the middle of the pool. Mine was like 13 feet. Yeah, and I'm so treading water. Yeah, if you're not if you're not comfortable swimming, it's just yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah. yeah, and I'm treading water. I'm treading water, and it's just not it's just not working for me. Uh huh. So he sees that I'm struggling, but he tries to implement uh me catching a like a I wouldn't say it was a medicine ball, but it was pretty heavy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When he threw it in the water, I I missed it and it hit me in my head. Yeah. So when it hit me in my head, I literally got dizzy and I got out the I got out the out the pool and I was like, listen, I, I can't I can't do this. I don't I really don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Don't tell me what you're gonna do, what you're not gonna do. And I was like, listen, I'd rather be outside running with my knee feeling like this 
than it being here with you being disrespectful. Right. Like, I, 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 you see me struggling. So, um, being young and having SO be there for two weeks or less, I just went into the locker room, I got changed, and I went to my room. Mm-hmm. I went to my dorm room. That night, I get a call from Edsel, and he's like, you have a punishment run tomorrow at 6 a.m. Oh, uh, man. And I said, what? He's like, you have a punishment run. You you didn't listen to West and the trainers. So, <laughs> uh, the next day, I get there at 5.30 a.m. I'm lacing my shoes up. Etzel's there. After I finish lacing my shoes up, I'm going to walk out, and I just stopped. And I said to him, I said, Coach, no disrespect to you, but why should I be running a punishment run? Because I didn't know how to tread water. Uh-huh. I said, I could have I said I could have drowned in there. Right. I said, no disrespect to you, coach, but I don't uh, I don't I don't think I should have to run a punishment run. Mm, okay. And you know, he started FUing me. Uh, and this is just you and, and Coach Essel, right? Just me and Coach Essel in there. Yeah. <laughs> You're being real like, close with the coach early, like. <laughs> yeah, he's like, F you. Um, this is your problem. You never, uh, you never want to follow the directions or something. And I was just like, like you don't even, like you don't even know me. Right, right. All you know is this incident and whatever. I don't know whatever was told to you by someone else. And, um, so that, that, um, that night I, um, I was at my dorm room again and I was talking to my godfather, who was my little league coach at only bears when we won the national championship. And he, um, he was asking me what was going on. I said, coach, there's no talking to this guy. I said, there's no talking to him. He was like, please, just give me his number. I'm going to talk to him, see see what's going on. So I gave him the number. I went to sleep. I wake up to maybe 10 phone calls, two text messages from my little league coach. Uh-huh. So I call him back. And the first thing he said was, you got to get out of there. And I was like, uh-huh. And this, is, this isn't like him. So when I gave him the number, it was in the tensions of, me probably being in the wrong and him being right. Right, right. So I guess he called Coach Etzel and, you know, wanted to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And when Coach Etzel asked who he was, and my, my, he was my little league coach, but at the same time, he's my godfather. Yeah. Coach Etzel laughed at him, you know, and was like, why, why do I have to talk to you mm. type stuff? And long story short, um, that was the, that was the last straw there. Um, either he also coached, he also talked to coach Mac, coach Mac will vouch for me. Um, also talked to coach Mac and there was a message that was supposed to be relayed to me from Etzel to coach Mac that was supposed to be relayed to me Uh and it didn't get relayed to me for another punishment run the next day. If I really, if I wanted to be a part of the team, I needed to run this punishment run. Um, and the message never got to me. Right. So the next day, 
he called me in his office and, you know, he said, I told your high school coach to tell you to be here uh, for your punishment run and you didn't show up. I said, coach, no disrespect to you, but you're my coach. Why are you, why are you trying to relay a message through yeah. my high school coach that you can reach out to me personally? Right. And his face turned red and he literally said, fuck you, excuse my language, several times to my face. Mm-hmm. And it was like, as far as I know, you're, you're no longer a part of this team. So to to the to the next generation of athletes who may be going through this experience as far as coaching changes, just just keep an open mind. Um and hopefully um they don't go through the, the same experience that I went through. Um I remember walking home that day after or going to the locker room actually. Uh, to clean my locker out. And, uh-huh. you know, there were, there were teammates of mine that came in and was like, what's going on? I like, he just kicked me off the team. Shit, and, Joe. <laughs> and they were, and they were pissed. Yeah. They, you know, they were, they were mad and they were like, what is he doing? Like, well, why is he doing this? And there were times where he, you know, he made remarks about people cutting their, their dreadlocks. And it was just a lot of, it was just a lot. So I remember, I remember leaving um, the University of Maryland, and I, I would read on. I would read like blogs and stuff. That mm-hmm. was. It was a lot of people like challenging my character as a as a person. Right. Um, maybe he wasn't this or that. Um, but then, as you, I don't know if you know, but um, twenty-seven scholarship players left the program. I I didn't know that. Not that number. Yeah. 27 scholarship players left the program. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it was more, everyone started to realize it, it wasn't it wasn't the player. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was times where I would go back to see guys play that I, that I um, went to Maryland with in, in 2009, my class, and parents would be like, we're so happy you got out of here. Yeah. So, um, Coaching change isn't – it's not easy. Of course not. It's not easy. Yeah, I mean, but I think, Trevor, I mean, like, it sounds like that's – staying there would have been even worse for you. It would have been an uphill battle always, right, to, like, earn the trust back from him and, like, mending that relationship, which at that point it almost seemed like it was tarnished, right? Yeah. And (laughs) I just remember, you know – talking to talking to my teammates about what happened and the thing that stuck out to me the most about that meeting with him that last meeting mm-hmm. is that he thought I was going to react in a way that I didn't right so even after all the FUs that I had to take I literally when he told me I was on the team I literally stood up and I stuck my hand out like this and I said thank you for everything and his, just his, just the way I seen his eyes light up, I knew that he didn't expect that that out of me. He, he, he wanted you to. He wanted he wanted a reaction out of you. But yeah, he, he wanted he wanted a reaction out of me, but he didn't get it. Yeah. And I remember talking to my teammates about it, and a lot of them were like, "Bro, I don't know how many fu's I would have took before I took the test." <laughs> <laughs> 
that's just that that just wasn't my character you know what i'm yeah. saying and it's never been and it never will be um but another guy that transferred to delaware he's actually on my shirt uh-huh he he he, he died last year um david mackle his story was a bit different uh-huh <laughs> his story was a bit different before transferring to delaware uh but uh, he was one that didn't didn't really go for the FUs. But. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess, like, I mean, Travis, now let's talk about the transition. Because, I mean, it, it, people listen, you might think like, oh, but like it sounds like Travis's first two years. I mean, he was highly recruited. First two years in Maryland didn't go his plan. But you kind of make a turn because now you transfer to the University of Delaware, which is a top 1AA school. And, you know, you start to contribute a lot and seeing a lot of success in the field and then off the field as well. And then you join the team with uh, with a former teammate, Zach Kerr. I guess talk about now your whole transition. You make this complete 180, and I guess talk about how that went. <laughs> uh, the, the funniest thing about that transition was I had all my stuff packed in my car driving to Delaware. Uh-huh. After, after I told them I was, I was coming, I'm committed, let's go. And wait, was that was that decision easy for you? Like, was it just you knew you though was going to be the one, or absolutely not? Okay. <laughs> so, as you know, my teammate from QO, Cody McGill, was yep. recruited by Delaware. Yeah. Delaware coach would be at our school all the time. He never said one word to me. Just because he thought that you were just a one A guy. Yeah, it was just. I don't. I'm not even going to waste my time talking to this. Guy. Right. 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 Um. So when all that was going on, Delaware had just played for the national championship in 2010. Mm-hmm. They lost to East. They lost to Eastern Washington, uh, 19 to 20, I believe. Okay. They were graduating all four starters in the defensive backfield. So my official visit to Delaware after the incident at Maryland, they were like, "You have an opportunity to come in here and and, and play yeah. and start all three yeah. years." But again, Oregon was my dream school. I, I I had Coach Lee Smith actually reach out to Oregon on my behalf, and uh-huh. he wasn't even at QO. He was at Paint Branch. Right. He had just left for Paint Branch, uh, I think, the, a year or two before. Mm-hmm. So he was helping me along the way with the process. So after I fully committed to Delaware and told him I'm coming, I packed my stuff up in my in my car. I'm driving to Delaware. I get halfway. Coach uh-huh. Smith calls me on the phone and says, Oregon has a has a spot for you. Do you want to take it? Do you want to take it? Uh-huh. And, and I'm like, Coach, I'm literally <laughs> on the way to Delaware with my bags. Everything is in the car. I'm literally on my way to Delaware. And I have the opportunity to play three years and and possibly start three years. Yeah. So at that point, it was a no-brainer for me because I had already sat out pretty much two years of ball. My yep. freshman, my true freshman year, because I reassured it, and then I didn't play as much as I wanted to my reassured freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, damn, hold on, give me one second. Um, so... It was a, it was kind of like a no brainer for me, right. um, to to go to Delaware and and um, 
be able to compete and start for three years. So. Hundred percent. That's that's. It's funny because it's like you find yourself getting back to like that same position of like getting a a, a dream opportunity almost, right? Yeah. But like having to make it like a business decision in a sense of like, you know, you hadn't been on the field for a couple of years and, you know, a, a school's offering you a, a chance to be a three-year startup is an awesome thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess, Travis, like talk about that, like the success you got on the field, because obviously you go, you went in, you got picked up by the Patriots your first year as an undrafted free agent. Um, and I, I guess talk about some of the honor, the mentions that you got throughout your time uh, in the CAA, because I'm, if I remember, you were a first-team all-conference player, correct? Uh, second. Second team, okay, which is in the CA, which is still really, really good competition. Um, I guess, like, now, like, your, your play at Delaware, like, talk about that, how it went, and now you're transitioning to, you know, being that starter and being a big-time contributor there. Um, the first – I remember my first game against Navy. First of all, no one – as a DB, no one wants to play against Navy. All they do, all they do is bring in, all they do is bring in different receivers every play, and they're taught to legit just cut you. Yeah, every time. Every time, literally, a different receiver was coming in every play, and I was like, (laughs) so my first game at Delaware was probably the worst game of my college career, no matter what school I was at. Uh-huh. And I remember going into the going to the coaches meeting, going to the coaches meeting um, after we played them, and he literally told me, "If you play, if you ever play like that again, you will ne- you will never start another down here." Uh. So there, right there, like click, like, all right, let's go. Yeah. It's time. It's, it's time to switch to. It was my first first start as a college. Football player playing against a, a different against, type of offense, yeah. Playing that type of offense, playing in their backyard, it was it was a wake up call. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, but after that, you know, I, I I found myself as a player, and uh, I I felt like I took off. Um, I had four picks that year. Um, I can't remember how many tackles I had, but I I just remember my coach come to me at the end of the year, he, he was like, if you if you caught half the picks you dropped, you probably could have declared <laughs> you probably could have declared uh after this year. Uh I had a de- I had a really decent year. Um uh-huh. and after that, you know, the team started to to recognize, you know, uh my game and a, a lot of times they they stayed away from me. Um my my junior year and then my senior year, um I played well again. Right. And, um, got a chance to you know put myself in a position to to make it to the league, mm-hmm. in which I went undrafted to New to the New England Patriots in 2014. Right. I guess even before that, Travis, like, what like, also for like someone younger listening, what what in your opinion, you were at the top level at one A. What was the transition like when you stepped to one double A? Did you feel like the game was slower? Did you feel like it wasn't as competitive, I guess, from you being a, you know, top time, a big time recruit kind of coming down to one double A, where, where was your head at when it was dealt with talent and stuff like that? Uh, at first it was like, I want to, I want to play one A ball. Like right. I had all these scholarships. I don't, I don't want to go to Delaware, but right. the opportunity, the opportunity to, to play there. And I know that they were coming off a national championship 
finalists, um, it was like, okay, I, I, the the competition can't be that much, you know, worse right. than right. than one A ball. But when I got there, a lot of the guys that I played that played that I played with and against in one double A could easily play one A ball. Word. Yeah. It could easily play one ball. And I think I mean if if you're young listening to that too, I think it's a good message to understand that like if you're not the most highly recruited kid out of high school and you have to go to the FCS level, I mean, F, uh, CS, which is pretty much one double A. That's one double A, right? FCS or is it FBS? It's one double A. Yeah, one double A. Um, but it's not, I mean, dude, I play at Monmouth. I mean, it's good competition regardless. And I think nowadays, Travis, even Division Two, Division Three, like, if you ball, regardless of where you're at, like, dude, there's someone's made it, right? And I think if there's been a blueprint before, there's literally no excuse to say, oh, if I go D2, I can't play in the league, right? Because I think it's people yeah. have done it. Look at look at look at uh teams like North Dakota State. Yeah, I mean they they play tough against a lot of 1A schools. Any competition. Yeah. They actually had a player this year. Um, unfortunately we're not gonna be able to see him because of COVID, but they had a player that was all American for like two years, I believe. Their best defensive player just transferred to LSU for his last year. Like stuff like that, you don't really hear about. Hundred percent. So, and him transferring to LSU, they already penciled him in as the starter and how he's going to do this or do that and be top pick in the draft. Yeah. It's it's crazy. So for me, I would just say, as long as you ball, you'll get the call. It's what Dion would, would say. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Trav, what did you study when you were at uh, De- University of Delaware? Criminal justice. Criminal justice, okay. And I guess, like, is there anything specifically that, like, you, after you were done playing, that you wanted to tap into with that major? Like, where was your head at with criminal justice? Um, I always wanted to do, like, FBI. Okay. Um, but honestly coming home and coaching high school, it like changed my perspective like quick. Mm, because, again, because again, a job isn't, a job is supposed to be something you love. 100%. And I love being around ball and I love giving back and I love teaching the game. It's easy, It's it'll be easy for me to, you know, start a, a, um, a DB Academy and, you know, charge kids and th- do this and do that. Right. But I didn't have it growing up. So it'd be wrong for me to charge a kid and take money from, from, him, you know, so for me, it's, I'm thinking about starting a nonprofit, honestly, um, to, to give back and train kids and, um, give them the knowledge of the game. Right. It's easy to to teach a kid to backpedal and to do drills know, and and do drills. But do they really understand the game of football? Right. And, and that's what I want to. That's what I want to get to. No, I, I I think that's. I mean, dude, Travis, one that's dope. I, I think in in today's society, I think it's super easy. To your point, so you can come up with a you know brand name and you can start charging for training sessions. Being a former player, it's very easy to do that. I mean, I'm kind of very in that same field. But like to your point, like, I think what I struggled with last year, Trav, was 
doing that and understanding exactly what you just said. It's very hard to, to, to charge X amount of money to a kid, right? And it's yeah. like you, you want to provide them the best value while still making a, a dime for your, your time, right, in a sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a fine line between like, all right, well, if that's going to be your occupation, that's going to be your job. I think as a trainer, as a performance trainer, you should all know your value. But mm-hmm. if you know that already, like, and you're coming from the mindset of like, I didn't have that when I was growing up and I want to be a resource now to a kid and that might not have the money to train. Right? That's what I saw yeah. too. It's like, dude, a lot of families don't have the, 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 the money to afford training, right? So exactly. what do, what happens to those kids? Like they kind of either have to find a coach like you that is in that mind, mindset of like, I'll train you for free just because yeah. I'm trying to push it forward. You know what I'm saying? But there's not enough people probably in that mentality. So one, I salute you for that. And I think, you know, you starting that nonprofit, I think it'll be very successful. Just one, you being the one spearheading it and, and kind of leading that charge. I'm sure you know a ton of other coaches that will be right along with you with the same type of mindset that is pay it forward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not, and it's, it's not, and it's not only football related. It would be school related. Oh, so. Mentorship. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mentorship. Tutoring. Yep. Um, it's a lot of things I have in mind that I want to, I want to get off the ground, especially yeah. here in the Montgomery County area. I mean, dude, these, this is your roots, man. I mean, I know you played Montgomery Village Chiefs only, but I mean, it's like, it's, it's why not be where your, your home is, you know? Exactly. Um, no, I like that, Trav. I mean, I guess, I mean, dude, talk about, I, I guess this then, like, if you could take yourself back, high school, middle school, and you were a young kid listening to this, listen to, you know, a guy that's going into his upper 20s who played great high school football, high elite uh, college ball, played in the NFL, played in the CFL, what would be your piece of advice or tip to a younger generation of athletes? Like, what would be your main thing that you'd give to them right now? Just to follow your dream and to never, never uh, stray off course. Um, With me, uh, there was a lot of, you know, bumps in my role Mm -hmm. as far as getting to where I got to the NFL, in the CFL, um, I dealt with a lot of adversity. Um, yeah. In high school, I probably lived with like four different families. Um, and honestly, it gave me the opportunity to really like dig deep within myself. Like knowing that, okay, if I don't have somebody, can if I don't have someone in which I want there with me in my life, I can still make it happen just for myself. Mm-hmm. And because I love the game of football so much, there was nothing that it didn't matter what happened in my life. I was going to make sure that I was able to be on that field and able to perform at a high level um, to give my myself the best chance to be successful and live up to the dream in which is the NFL. Like if you listen, if you listen to that interview when I was eight years old on George Michael's Sports Machine, my legit the legit words that came out of my work out of my mouth were was I have to finish school before I go to pro, mm. and that's exactly what I did. Mm. I graduated University of Delaware, criminal justice degree, and I set myself up to have an opportunity to make it to to make a roster on the NFL team. And right. unfortunately, I didn't make the roster. But the experience in which I had will live with me forever. 
hundred percent. And I mean, dude, I think that's like, it's powerful. I think nowadays too, Travis, it's more than ever, you know, it's doable to like, if you have a dream, it's like, like you better, you better sacrifice everything for it then. Right. Cause I think a lot of kids say they have a dream, but then there's no action. There's no execution behind it. So exactly. I think it's one of those things. It's like, you know, your actions have to match your ambition. Right. And like, you can say that you want to score 15 touchdowns this year, but if you're sitting at home, just playing call of duty, playing Fortnite every night, like in my, when I'm looking at that from someone older, I'm like, I just don't think you want that bad. Right. So yeah. if you're listening to this, like you better make sure your ambition is matched by your actions ultimately. And like t- kind of what Travis said, follow your dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it sucks, but in this day and age, you know, the video games are, are, are literally taking over. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's I, we play, we, we don't get me wrong. We, me and my brother, we played, we played some Madden. Yeah. Growing up, but we were out there on the field, you know, getting it. hundred percent. I mean, try like that. Yeah. I mean, dude, you're, you're my brothers, you and my brother, same age. Um, so I hundred percent, like there was technology, obviously there was systems out, but it's not like how it is now, bro. It's like, on no a one different wants, level. No one bro. wants to go outside. No one 100%. wants to go outside. hundred percent. It's, it's crazy. And I have, you know, I have nephews and I'm just like, Man, he has he has to take a break at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but it's crazy because you know, even if we go to like the park or I get my my other nieces and nephews together, my one nephew is always the one that will always find a phone, no matter where we are. And just like, that's how he's entertained. Yeah, it's just it, it, it's it's amazing to me. What what this te- what the technology is doing nowadays? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Trav, I think it's uh, it could be such a positive. At the same time, it can be such a negative. To your point, right? I think a lot of times kids are like, it, it's like they're reliant on it. But I think on the flip end, like if you're using it to your advantage, and you know, it's funny that we talk about games right now. But like, if you think about like kids that are playing games and that they're like they're on they're twitching and like, like you can make serious money from it, right? Like there is that avenue. But at the same time, if you're just using that for fun and your escape and, like, that's taking over time of your actual goals and stuff, then I can exactly. see that it just becomes an issue, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely becomes an issue. Yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, that young it's – it's, it's an interesting time, especially during COVID, man, where you're home and uh. – <laughs> It sucks because it's like, yo, in your head, it's like, that's all I have to do, you know? Like, that's all I want to yeah. do. It does suck then, in that sense. But, um, Trev, last thing I got for you um, is coaching now. Like you, you, you're, you're in transition now into a high school coach and you want to go pursue into the collegiate level. I guess, how is it like now that you've been, play, you've been a player for all these years, you're taking, you're switching gears now, you're not wearing cleats no more, you're putting on shoes on, the, on game day, you know what I'm saying? I guess, what's it like coaching versus playing now? Um, it's something I actually love, man. Just being able to, you know, go through a week of practice and preparation for, let's say, I'm, I'm gonna use QO for example. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the fact that we were able to, you know, tap into the minds of of our defense to be able to stop a back like Marquez, mm-hmm. and just believe that it's possible. Right. Because the, the things that he were do, that he was doing unreal. At, at, was unreal. Mm-hmm. Easily, um, numbers wise, he'll go down as the greatest back that ever come out of QO. Easy. Yeah, I mean, one of the best that I've seen. Easy. Yeah. He didn't make you miss in the phone booth. Yeah, hundred. It's crazy. Yeah, it's sick. For me, for me, t- like literally, 
And, that, and that's a lot coming from you too, by the way. Huh? I said that's a, that's saying a lot coming from you, and like some of the records you put up there. Yeah, but I was, you know, I I had my I had my my foot in a lot of in a lot of positions. So yeah, he, with yeah, me, he with, 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 with me, it's not it, with me. It wasn't about the numbers. It was about the it was about the wins. Like I hate to lose. So I remember when fifth game of the season we got scored on by Magruder. And we were all mad. And it was a field goal. <laughs> <laughs> it was a field goal. But, yeah, to tap back into um, the mindset that we inst- instilled into these kids, man, I was I was up the, the week of the playoff game, literally on my phone like this, watching Marquez in a group FaceTime with all my DBs mm-hmm. and going over play after play after play. And for us to go out there and execute the game plan and and, and be able to stop a back like that uh, felt very good. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like, you know, this is my calling. I need to be able to prepare these young men, be able to prepare them not only for a week-long uh, preparation for football, but a lifetime of success off the field. Um, Because, again, the things that I've endured in my life and fought through to get to where I am today. It's bigger than football. It's bigger than football. So um, just being able to, you know, coach the game I love and – follow the footsteps of some of the, the great coaches that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, just just feels amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I mean, Travis, dude, you're just getting started, dude. You're just, yeah. you're just, you're just scratching the surface. And I'm, I'm super excited to, to see the kids you impact and, and, and to see the continuous winning that you get to do in your life and on the field and off the field, man. It's uh, It'll be awesome to see, man. So I'll be definitely cheering you on, man. Appreciate um, it. Of course. Thanks for having me, man. No, of course. So we're, we're almost done here. I'm going to go through really quick. This is the hot takes here. And this is basically where I'm just going to throw a couple quick questions at you. And then you just fire away with whatever comes top of mind. So it's a little bit lighter mood here. Not as serious. <laughs> so we'll get a little bit lighter. But the first one I got for you is, uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book? Uh, probably the Stuart Scott book. Stuart Scott. Oh, okay. I haven't, that's actually a first time said here. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check. I'm gonna have to tune that one. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Okay, I like that. Um, favorite cheat meal or like fast food spot that you like to go to? Cheat meal. Chick Fil A. Mm, good choice. <laughs> that's a that, that's pretty common now. It's pretty common. <laughs> um, all right, are you are you a big are you do you listen to podcasts at all? Not really, but I'm starting to get into it. All right, so I, I guess what's one that you like to listen to or gain value from? Uh, Ben Sasso actually put me on to Earn Your Leisure. Earn Your Leisure. They got a really good one, man. Yeah. Dude, that, the, theirs has been popping this. Dude, you know, like, they started their podcast, like, not too long ago. Yes. They, they, they've blown up quick. They talk about a lot of things that needs to be talked about. Financial literacy, like, yeah. dude, big time, big time stuff. It, it, it's stuff that we, don't get, that we don't get taught in schools. 100%. That we, feel, that we, that we should hundred percent. Like if you're, if you're hearing this right now, look that podcast up, earn your leisure. It's uh, I mean, dude, taxes, 
mortgages, investing, like stuff that, you know, you should be learning in high school, honestly, that we don't really get even in college sometimes. Um, last one I got for you, Trav, is favorite athlete of all time, any sport? Leon, Sanders, Sanders. Easy. easy. That was quick. <laughs> um, all right, Trav, best way to, for someone to reach out to you, if there's a young kid, um, you know, that wants to get either mentorship or trained, um, I guess, what's the best way for someone to reach out? Uh, Instagram. Instagram? Yeah. And I, what's the handle? It's one bird eye view? One bird eye view. The number one bird eye view. All right, sweet. So I'll put that in the show notes, guys. So if you guys want to reach out to Travis, you're more than welcome. Um, and Trev, now the official last thing is the final take. This is one of my favorite parts of the podcast where basically you're going to just close us out with however you'd like, whether it's a question for the audience, um, a piece of motivation or something encouraging. Or maybe, Travis, it's been something that you've just been thinking about since we've been in quarantine um, just because of COVID, I guess. It's kind of your time to take the floor. You can kind of close us out however you want, and then we'll be good to go. So there's a quote. Um that has stuck in my head um, from when I was playing in Montreal, my last, my actual last season as a football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, we had camp on the college campus. Right. And as I walk into one of our meetings one night, I see this quote written in stone on campus. Mm-hmm. And it says, remember how, remember how you started and be proud of, how you finished. Mm. And it just started making me think like, wow, man, this journey has been crazy for me. Yeah. I remember begging my mom to play for me to play football at age seven. And I lived up to my childhood dream. 100%. So whether it's whatever you do in life, remember how you started and remember how you finished. Mm. I love that. I love that, man. We're going we're gonna to close it off right there, man. You guys heard it here first. Um, Travis, I seriously, man, I appreciate you taking this time to be a guest, man. It's awesome to just be able to connect with you again. And um, it was dope having you as a guest, man. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. And um, tell your brother I said hello. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> coming home tomorrow. I'll definitely I'll, I'll let him know, man. I appreciate you being a guest, man. This is episode 42 of the Athletes Marathon Podcast. My name is Matt Choi, and we are signing off. Thank you for listening to the Athletes Marathon podcast. We want to make sure you stay connected with our guests, so we'll have access to the show notes and our latest episodes on our website. Head over to www.theathletesmarathon.com, and if you enjoyed the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next week, thanks again for listening.